The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark, and um, on this lovely Wednesday morning, we have in studio, as always, our producer, Simpiwe. Morning, Sims. Good morning. And our right hand in the tea clinic, Sister Elise, and then we brought a special guest with us, um, Dante, who is also part of our tea clinic team. Good morning, Dante. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay. So, um, currently on uh, DSTV's home channel, we are doing a series on women's health on The Real Health Show. And um, last week, both Sister Elise and I were unfortunately otherwise engaged, and we played a rebroadcast of a program that we did previously, and that was called The Language of Sex. Um, Elise, do you want to cast your memory back to that episode that we've done and highlight some of the things? No. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that you can't cast your memory back or there is no memory? There's no memory at this stage. (laughs) Okay, so when we talk about the language of sex, one of the things that um, we spoke about was communicating sex to your partner. And so we, I decided to bring it back through to men um, because when we think sexual dysfunction in men, we think it's just erections. And it's so much more than that. And um, you know what? I'm, I can speak of experience about this, um, where sexual dysfunction is not about keeping and maintaining an erection. It's about your libido. It's about your sex drive. It's about how you perceive your partner, how you perceive yourself. And I think this is something that we often overlook um, and that we as men, one, do not discuss because I think people think uh, we're always ready to have sex. We always want sex. Um, being a gay man myself, I think a lot of my straight friends think, um, you know, it, it's a free if gay guys get together And this really is not the case Some peewee is nodding her head No Sims We're not like puppies that play You know what There's I a hierarchy I jump in here as well Statistics show that gay men Are more likely To have casual sex Than straight men And they are more likely To pick it up anyway Than straight men yeah, but I think the question is um, more likely, more likely to have um, casual sex, but how often? Very often, according to the, the statistics. Okay. Well, rather having casual sex than a committed relationship. That's what the statistics are saying. Or alternately, having casual sex outside of your committed relationship. Correct. Which is the other thing. Correct. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking no. about. <laughs> <laughs> you no. just do that in there. It's I a fun just, fact. Yeah, fun we fact. are now completely <laughs> off topic. Okay, 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 then let me give you another statistic. So God, I'm the one better statistics. <laughs> so they say, or the myth is out there that men think about sex all the time. 
And it's not only gay or straight men. Men think about sex all the time. I can tell you that that is a myth and a it's myth? definitely a Correct. So statistics say, or clinical studies was done, and I think it's Oxford, where they monitored thousands of men and women. And they looked at how often do they think about sex. So what they found is men... Is this subconsciously? Subconsciously, yes, with brain brain scans, etc. So what they found is that men will think about sex 19 times within a 16-hour period. Women will think about sex 10 times in a 16-hour period. So think about sex more. <laughs> then they s- also so found easy. that men that don't only think about sex alone, they think about food and sleep as well. <laughs> <laughs> in that period as much as they think about sex wow okay that's interesting statistics don't put up his hand and says that he thinks about sex all the time don't they? Don't they? But yeah. there's something wrong with him. <laughs> I work with him every day. There's really something wrong with and him. And she knows. So there we go. So, yeah. And Mark is blushing. Look at that. He's actually blushing. He's, no, because it's he's dumbfounded. He doesn't have It's not words. something. <laughs> But I have a time to do If I have to think That's about I'm six saying there's something wrong times with during a know, 16 My day is 16 hours long If something long. is an overdrive There's a mental problem If you have it Okay, Thank actually you. if you want to weigh in on this um, Send up us a, uh, us a WhatsApp The number is 0642128701 Tell us how often do you think about sex Or um, how often you do not think about sex So Dante, when we discussed this topic, um, I said to you the reason I want you to come on to the show is because, you know, it's very difficult to ask the question and answer it. But um, in our clinic, we deal with both male and sexual, uh, female sexual functioning. I don't want to call it dysfunction. Um, But you know what? On the ground... What is it that men talk about when they talk about themselves in a sexual environment or in a sexual context? Look, it doesn't have to be necessarily in a sexual context. Um, we were talking about this yesterday, if you remember, and I said to you that... No, I well, okay, maybe you don't remember, but anyway, we were saying, I was saying that over a period of time, I've just kind of picked up odd bits and pieces at, at the gym, especially this is morning gym people. I'm a morning gymmer. And what you hear are guys saying things like um, they just don't have the energy that they had Correct. to pick up uh, to do their gym. They don't uh, do their gym, actually, yeah. yeah. Do, but then they also just don't have energy. They they don't look forward to their day. They don't have energy at night. One brave soul even said that he hadn't got laid in ages because he just simply wasn't interested. And so somebody the other day, I think just got the hell in and said, you know what, just understand something. You're getting older. One of your favorite phrases, suck it up, cupcake, because um, you just it's part of it's part of getting older. Just accept it. What do you say to that? Ah, 
it's coming back to me now. So let's let's just take a look at evolution and development. Because I was confronted with this question um, about libido and what uh, what we can do about increasing libido, and as the patient asked me that, I thought about my own my own circumstances at the moment, and it's just yeah, but what what is a normal libido? But before we get there, if we look at the evolutionary lifespan that we as humans have, it's supposed to be around about 48 years. Okay? Because there are a few um, species that live longer than us, turtles, one, um, but elephants um, have a longer life expectancy than we as humans from an evolutionary perspective. Now, what we have gone and done through the advances in medicine, our lifestyle, etc., etc., is that we've more than doubled that. So let's look at us, should we have lived in the wild? You um, get born as a little cub or a puppy or whatever you want to name it, and as you get older and you grow up certain certain factors come into play whether you're strong you're fast you're clever uh you're dominant you can find food etc etc and the combination of all these factors allows you to become an alpha a beta or a zeta or a uh, omega um, so for you who don't know what that means, it's the alpha male is the leader of his group. Um, the betas are his close support. Um, let's think of a troop of chimpanzees. So there is one alpha male. The alpha male has access to the most of the females, the biggest territory, and his choice of food. Okay, those who are lower ranking have less opportunity and therefore less privileges. So if you have the combination of genetic factors that give you the advantage of over your peers, you are the alpha. So we progress to become an alpha male and we stay at the peak of our performance for a short period of time and then we start getting challenged by younger males that are stronger and you know but the first once or twice we can rebuff them but eventually you make space at the top and you move down the ranks again and eventually you are moved to the outside of the back of a troop where you start falling prey to predators. That's a natural progression. So if we look at it from, again, an evolutionary perspective, if we're supposed to be at our lowest again at about age 50, our peak is between the ages of, say, 20 and 30, 35. That is where you perform at your peak. 
And when we go past that, you know, but things start degrading. Just think about how difficult it is. Well, in any case, for me, after years and years of playing competitive sport, to wake up in the morning without having pain in my ankles or my knees. Um, you know, it becomes difficult to get to the bathroom, never mind to compete on the sports field anymore. Um, and I think this is something that we need to take into consideration. You cannot always be the alpha male. Younger, stronger males will come in. Environmental factors, economic factors, social factors medical start playing factors. a role. Medical factors. If it wasn't for medicine, you would have been dead. And then as well, your testosterone levels um, decreases 1% every year from the age of 35 years old. It's so, actually, I think it might be even a little bit younger, Elise. I think it might be from maybe. the age of about 28. Now, we also know that um, over the past couple of decades, testosterone levels have dropped exponentially. We see this. Is it because of our lifestyle? Is it the way in which we live? We live in cities. There's no... Not so much of I have to establish territory We live in groups Which are much more evolved We have monogamous relationships Or pseudo-monogamous relationships Other than in the wild Where, um, you know, with the strongest male Get the most females And gets to pass on his genes Who can say? But, uh, you know, I think all of those play a role when Dante, and this is what what um, I think we spoke about when someone says, "Yeah, but it's because we are getting older." Yes, it is because we are getting older. Do we have to accept this? Hell, no. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask. Do we do we as as human beings then have to accept it? Absolutely not. The problem is that, and we've spoken about this at length. The moment that you start fiddling with hormone levels, you don't fiddle with one. And Elise, um, I think we've used the analogy a couple of times um, about baking a cake. Now, um, it's interesting that the world's best chefs um, and some of the world's best bakers are actually men. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to bake a winning, let's make it very so if you bake for best Breibruet, you know that you use a certain type of flour in a certain quantity mixed with a certain type of yeast with water at a certain temperature. You put it in a certain place for it to prove, etc., etc., etc. If you change one thing in that recipe, the bread turns out differently and not necessarily better. So changing hormones is like changing one of the um, ingredients or one of the processes you have when you bake this um, award-winning in-your-own-head bread um, that everyone comes to your bride to to indulge in. Um, 
And that is, is, is key to understanding hormone optimization and hormone replacement therapy. So tell me, at, at, what, at what point um, in my life, say, should I start thinking about my testosterone levels or hormone optimization therapy? Is it when I don't wake up with a morning erection? Is it when I don't perform in the office? At what point should somebody seriously start thinking about this? Elise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in here. What would you say on this one? Because I have a mixed answer. I think you are um, not you're going to think about your own situation. Yeah. I think generally one needs to... The first thing that guys are coming to say to us is I don't have energy, I don't have motivation and then during the consultation Mark will ask certain questions and then we will realize actually the um, sexuality is a problem as well uh, the sexual a, functioning, the I sexual won't call functioning. It sexuality. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sexual functioning is a problem <clears throat> as well. I don't think that's the first thought. Men are also shy to talk about this. Um, they come and th- and look for something else, uh, or come with other reasons. Then I don't get a morning erection anymore, you know, and I don't, I can't keep my erection during activity. They don't tell us that up front. They come with different things. I can't concentrate. I feel burned out. I don't have energy. I don't this. I don't that. Generalized situations. Yes, but I am. Increasingly seeing younger and younger men coming into the office and complaining about, in their terms, libido. So they're not complaining about sexual functioning, they're talking about libido. Now, in medical understanding, when we talk about libido, we're talking about sexual thoughts and fantasies. How often we are thinking about Six. So it does just go back to the stats that we heard <clears throat> in the beginning that guys will think about like six, 19 times in a 16 hour period, but now when they come to you, it's kind of decreased. And now that's it's kind of only 18. <laughs> <laughs> but does. <laughs> Still a lot. <laughs> so, um, Sims. Yes, and you know what? I was I was sitting in my office with a patient, <clears throat> a patient that I've been treating for a while, actually since last year, who came in with his um, partner, his wife, and. The the issue of sexual functioning came up. He, at that point in time, was not thinking about sex and did not have an active sex drive. As a matter of fact, and this is something that um, at that moment eluded me. Um, for him, sex once a month was okay. It was good enough. He didn't need anything more than that. His partner 
Um, his wife, on the other hand, um, thought that that was abnormal. It, there was a definite change in their sexual, f- the, the frequency with which they engaged in sexual activity. And I think, Dante, that is where we um, need to, to stop for a second. I don't know about you guys, but I go through cycles of sexual interest and or not. And when I saw this guy last week, um, and he said to me, yeah, he feels great. It's just maybe his libido that's the low. And I, I thought about myself and I realized that Oh my God, I haven't been thinking about sex and I also don't feel like having it. Um, does that make me abnormal? Am I having a sexual problem? And what I realized is that actually it's creating and causing a sexual dysfunction. Um, for the simple reason my partner is in a sexually charged state um, it's, not, it's not rampant but it's close <laughs> and um, I am not there so the expectation on from his side creates anxiety and guilt within me and that is giving me a negative connotation to my sexuality at the moment and that spills through to him because it's something that I'm trying to avoid and he's too nice to to voice so and then at other times it's completely opposite where we can't get enough of one another. So Dante, to answer your question, is testosterone to blame for this? No, my testosterone levels are optimal. I think it's a mental state at the moment. I am we are busy at work, Elise. Um we are I'm busy in my social life. Um I am my partner is busy in his career. Um, and in his social life And when we do get To spend time together For me it was more about Being intimate with him Literally just lying next to him Than Going over into A, a sexual act And and this is one of the things that I, I Wanted to bring across today Is when we talk about The language of sex When we talk about Erectile dysfunction We're talking specifically about Not being able to maintain an erection Or not being able to get an erection But I think we should rather think about Sexual functioning Where there's more than one factor That comes into play um, And can regulate Where you are currently In your sexual functioning 
quick question with that. I mean, um, we live in a society where there's like these new terms being thrown out where people are like, I'm only sexually attracted to you if I'm emotionally attached or if there's other factors to it. Does that also count into this conversation? Because I know a lot of young people now will be, I don't know, like, I don't know the terms, but like asexual and whatnot. And they kind of tell, like, they tell the world. What they are and in how they move. Ask Sister Elise. Back in our day, you know what? If you went out to a club or a bar, you were only emotionally attached to the person that you wanted to bonk. Um, I think that was in our days. Okay. But I think today we need to think about the circumstances of today. Okay. What do you hear in the news lots of times? Gender-based violence. Um, and that brings me back to my statistics That men would easily engage in sexual uh, um, What did I call it? Social, no? F- um, easy sex, let me call it some Casual, 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 Casual sex yes. In a social environment like in a club That Mark mm. just said Women will wait for a safe environment and that is something that is inherent genetic in us. Um, so, yes, now I'm bringing it back to today. What is safe today? We're talking about gender-based violence. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about a lot of those things that makes us scared. We were locked up for two years. Um People may feel asexual at this stage because there's no outside stimulation for a very long time. You know what I'm trying to say. So that's my answer to that. It's it's a state of mind, like Mark used the example of he's he had um, or he has at this stage. I think we need to sit back and think about what is happening with us personally. And our environment before we make an assumption that um, I'm asexual. The, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know that's my saying. If it's there's no stimulation, you can't expect that your brain will say, "Okay, I need sex. I need sex." And the more you do it, the more you want it. Hmm. That that brings that leads into what what has been on my mind as well here. Um, we've spoken about libido, we've spoken about intimacy and so on. But what about and it's a term I know that you don't like, but erectile dysfunction. Um, if I, as the man in the street, am not able to get an erection, I'm going to Google erectile dysfunction. So. Um, <clears throat> Elise has mentioned a couple of things that might cause something like that. But what are the causes of erectile dysfunction? So I think where we need to look at primary causes of erectile dysfunction and and look at those. So primary causes of erectile dysfunction would be physical conditions like... um, Neuropathies, where you have damage to the nerves, um, where there's damage to the blood supply of the penis. Those are um, primary causes of erectile dysfunction. Those, in certain cases, we can treat, and we'll come into the treatments in a short while, what we have available. 
when we look at what we are confronted with in our practice, <clears throat> the major causes of erectile dysfunction are medical conditions, and they are compounded by hormonal imbalances. Stress and depression. Absolutely. And then, um, as Elise just said, the psychological mm. yeah. factors around them. What so let's, let's, let's go to what we can, what medical conditions we think of. Okay. So number one, hemiplegia, paraplegia, quadriplegia. Okay. That is where the nerve endings to the penis have been damaged and there's no sensation. Okay. Then we have problems with blood flow. So that can be blood flow towards the penis, the blood vessels towards the penis. It could be the blood vessels inside the penis, the sponge I think tissue. What's important to say here is if, and I'm not saying that you have an erection, when you have an erection problem, this is for everybody the same. But if you can't get an erection, the first, first thought must be, what is wrong? Do I have blood pressure? High blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Do I have a heart condition? Do I have diabetes? Do I have diabetes? Do I have um, endo- endocrine problems? For instance, my hormone levels are out yes, of whack. Yes, absolutely. Um, do I have too much stress? Um, Psychological problems. Yeah. What medication I'm taking? Yes. So blood pressure the- medication, uh, diabetic medication. And guys, this one is a biggie. Um, Antidepressant medication or um, psychotropic medication, drugs, alcohol, smoking, all of those have roles to play in erectile dysfunction. So I'm going to try and break it down into two big groups. Um, Erectile dysfunction because of your mind. And this is where we get to performance anxiety, um, sexual dysfunction because of your partner or avoidance or previous bad experiences. And then we get the physical side. And this is what I call if there's problem with the plumbing. Um, in other words, the blood flow to the penis is compromised. Um, the penis is a sponge. Think of a sponge. Those, um, I think everyone knows what those yellow little sponge with a green thingies on look like. Okay? We do dishes with them in the kitchen. If you have a new sponge, you can take that square sponge and you can put it into water and it sucks up a lot of water very quickly. And it will hold the water. And when you squeeze it out, most of, if not all of that water comes out and boom, it jumps back to that square form. Now, use that sponge for a couple of pots to scour them with. And, um, you know, but at the end of that, that sponge looks a little bit worse for wear. Now, Dip that sponge into water again And you will see that the amount of water That it's able to suck up Is much less 
It's also not able to hold on to that water very well. And when I try and wring it out, I can't get all the water out. And when I release it, you know what, it still looks a little bit flip. And that is how your penis works. Your penis is sponge. We need to get blood flowing there so that it can engorge the penis. The blood flow needs to keep that sponge engorged by flowing both in and out. And this is one of the problems that people forget. It's not just about getting blood flow there. So guys, those of you that use cock rings or bands or anything like that, the blood needs to come out as well. Otherwise you trap Deoxygenated blood there. Um, just think about it. If, um, and this is Simpiwi's favorite thing. Simpiwi, if I strangle you long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to pass out. Exactly. So if I don't get oxygen to the brain, and, and for most men, that's a brain on to themselves. If you don't get oxygen rich blood to that area, it's going to collapse. Okay, so it's about getting blood flow both in and out of a penis, but in such a way that the penis still stays engorged. And that is where I think a lot of men say, I can get an erection, but maintaining it becomes a problem. Hmm. Now everyone looks so, at me. <laughs> so um, what if I come to the tea clinic and I present with erectile dysfunction? Um, what choices are you going to give me are available? So firstly, we'll start with a consultation. Um, Elise, I, I told you yesterday that you, you said this so succinctly on the Real Health Show um, this week um, that it's a one-on-one -on -one consultation. Um, and it is that. It's a one-on-one -on -one consultation. We go through things like your medical history. What is it that in your medical history um, is of importance to us? So chronic conditions, current conditions, allergies, medication, um, lifestyle, stress. And then, you know, for me, very important family history. Um, after a consultation, I know which of your grandparents died of what, um, at what age, what cancers there are in the family, what conditions like Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, uh, vascular conditions there are in the family. I and think what's important as well is I don't know if – our patients know why we ask these questions but one question that we ask is very relevant and that is your sleep pattern um, if you present with snoring and sleep apnea it can lower your testosterone levels a lot uh, it has a direct a huge, impact on libido yes a direct impact but definitely as well as on your cardiovascular health correct so that's why we our consultations is that intense and that long to establish where is the problem is it an endocrine problem is it a mental problem is it a lifestyle problem is it a sleep problem yeah. when we when we look at um, the men that come to us elise uh, dante you've seen these guys as well because you treat them with electrostimulation um 
the majority of the men that come to us have been somewhere else before. Like the females that come to us They've been to their GP And they asked their GP um, You know what I have some erectile problems I've bought this Maximos Etc, etc over the counter I've been to the sex shops To buy some of their um, Erectile Treatments If you can call them that And they work for a degree But they work by increasing blood flow and then they go to places like um, the men's health clinic where they are given a prescription for um, Viagra Cialis or they're giving an um, intrapenile injection. Um, some PUA, yeah. What, what is that? That's when you Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. That's when you have this little injection that you give yourself in your penis. Okay. <laughs> I, I told you don't ask. Okay. And um, a lot of the times, you know, but this was prescribed in such a manner that um, they either end up with priapism uh, and present back to the clinic 24 hours later in agony because they still have an erection. In and agony it's sore and very tired. <laughs> and chafed. <laughs> <laughs> So it only happens to you once I can guarantee you that If it happens a second time you're it's stupid It's very damaging guys I need to tell you that Yeah because very again um, You trap oxygen poor blood In the sponge And it damages the sponge And then you know what Then getting an up is a bit of a problem Okay so where was I? Going through what 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 the the clinics do and then okay. what you do at um, and they send their patient on the merry way. Now, when we talk about sexual functioning in men, can I just ask a question before it slips my mind? Why is men so um, obsessed with length and girth and etc. because it makes us feel manly. It doesn't help with better sexual functioning or anything. No, but it makes us feel manly. Okay, so do you think it's it's normal and healthy for men to have an obsession with that? Yes. No, I don't think so. It, it's <laughs> definitely, it, it creates a mental problem Elise, for these men. When you look at elephants, <laughs> which elephant do you look at? The one with the longest tusks and the biggest The one with trunk. the six legs. Where does this oh trunk. six one, yeah, exactly. So guys do that as well, don't it's you? You're in the locker room every morning. Who yes. have a go- but he's, he, we can't ask him. <laughs> what, what are you? We implying? can't ask him. He's a problem. <laughs> so what is it? Come on, um, answer this question to Elise. Yes, I would What like is it that guys answer. do in the locker room? Some wear towels. Some don't. Yeah. And who are the guys a helicopter that helicopter there as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. This is a family show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, why do some guys wear their towels in the locker room and others not? 
Well, you, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to sort of generalize that the guys who wear towels have got small penises. Um, I'm not. Aren't you? Oh, no. Because that was the impression I got. And that's not the <laughs> Me case. Me too. I agree with you. You, you don't. Oh, you agree with me. Okay, yeah. fine. Um, that's, that's not actually the case. But yes, guys with big penises are certainly not shy about showing them off. It makes us feel manly, Elise. It's um, man's... Uh, and this is... This isn't, I've, it, isn't it a problem, like a society problem then? Why we? Because why would men want to brag about their their penises? Because mine's bigger than yours. But we don't brag about our boobs. Yeah, we but don't. you brag with band bags. <laughs> That's something you can buy. You can, <laughs> you you can, you can buy, buy a bigger penis. Buy a bigger no, bigger it's, penis it's part well, and yeah. parcel of who you are. Well, we can. Uh, why do women make their boobs bigger? Because men want them bigger. So. Maybe to f- to fit with their large penises. I don't know. Okay, guys, look, we're go- we're going off topic now. Um, what if if I have erectile dysfunction? The one of the uh, I would think uh, functions of, of a place like the T Clinic is to stop your dependence on pharmaceutical. Tablet. Absolutely. So, so when we look at so let's Dante, let's just quickly distinguish between again then erectile dysfunction where I'm battling to get and maintain an erection versus sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So erectile dysfunction there's various causes as we said medical conditions hypertension diabetes uh, depression anxiety the medication that uh, we give for those conditions can have a negative impact on erectile functioning we need to understand that if a condition is not under control or managed properly Symptoms can include erectile dysfunction, and we need to understand that. It's about rejuvenating the sponge, and the ways in which we rejuvenate the sponge is all about regenerative medicine. Regenerative medicine would include things like PRP, platelet-rich plasma, Bioelectrical stimulation therapy, peptide therapy that works on the brain, not on the penis, hormone balancing, where we think about creating the balance in the hormones again. It's interesting to note that men with higher levels of conversion of testosterone into estrogen They have high levels of testosterone But they're converting More of that testosterone Into estrogen Often present With Erectile problems In the sense that Either their libido is low okay, They're not thinking about sex As often as they used to Um Or they are battling to either achieve or maintain an erection. um, And there's different degrees thereof. So when you come into a place like ours, we will start at the beginning and we will take the medical history. We will make sure what are the 
contributing factors to what you are presenting with. And it's one of our aims in the clinic is that you understand why this is happening to you. And then we go and take a look at blood tests and blood tests does not only include testosterone. Testosterone tells us very little. Testosterone blood test is a snapshot of what is happening in the blood at that moment. It doesn't tell us. Testosterone doesn't work in the blood. Testosterone is transported in the blood to the brain and other tissues where it then has a function as a neurotransmitter or as a biochemical messenger. So the effects are not determined by what's happening in the blood. So again, testosterone is only a snapshot and gives us a peek through a window. Okay. Optimizing hormone levels, which can include iron. It can include vitamin D. It can include estrogen. Um, it can and most often does have um, an effect on what's happening with your cholesterol and your thyroid levels. And then we go over to, if we need to, optimization therapy, where we optimize the balance between the different hormone systems. From there, it's the regenerative medicine where we go and we regenerate the sponge. We fix the plumbing to the sponge and as well as away from the sponge. So getting blood to flow to the area effectively, throwing through the erectile tissue of the penis and flowing away again so that we make space for new oxygen rich blood which will then give us a bigger um, longer lasting erection things like PRP treatments not only stimulate the production of new tissue in the area giving you a bigger penis. Just explain what PRP is. Platelet rich plasma so platelet rich plasma is we take your blood platelets and we concentrate it and inject that Back, So that concentrated platelets are called platelet-rich plasma, and they work through the release of growth hormones. Um, and the growth hormones and the growth factors stimulate the production and repair of tissue, therefore um, regenerative medicine. The same is true for bioelectrical stimulation and we one of just two centers in uh, South Africa that is part of an international study on erectile functioning where we use bioelectrical stimulation to enhance erectile functioning and Dante this is your field of expertise this is what you do for us in the practice Um, you can give us some feedback on that just how good this actually is not only for size but for um, erectile functioning yeah it's one of those things where um, it isn't just for erectile uh, dysfunction Uh, uh, some of the guys uh, like to do it because it enhances their performance as well what it does is um we and i know simply it's going to sound terrific but we pass six electric currents through the penis 
Um, we don't use batteries. We don't, but we don't, sorry? That sounds excruciating. It's not painful in the slightest. It's actually, it's very, very controlled. And it's different kinds of, of, of current that gets So it's bioelectrical. It's bioelectrical, currents. yeah. So it, it um, targets specific, very specific areas. It's so. not shock therapy. No, no, it's not so shock therapy. You, you can't go and take the car battery and connect it to someone's penis. You can, but don't. Yes, Mark has actually suggested that a couple of times to some of the patients. Um, but yes, yeah, um, and it's it's just it's actually quite extraordinary because after like the third or so session, um, guys will come back and say, "Guess what? I'm getting morning erections." Um, after about the fourth or fifth, they come back and say, um, "I can get an erection." When I want to have an erection, I can maintain it. I can make love to my partner um, and maintain it. It's just beginning to change my life. It also helps with uh, with size. It, it increases girth as well. So it's really quite an extraordinary uh, procedure, and it's not painful. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Elisa's very much reading something <laughs> with a smile on her face. You know what? Please enlighten us as to what it is that you're researching. I just want people to go and read the Bad Girls Bible. There's lots of tips and tricks in there. <laughs> the Bad Girls Bible? Yes. Is this like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing? No, it's facts and myths, which is very interesting. So where do we find this? On Google. <laughs> wait, did you Google this now? Like, you're just like, oh, and you're like, wait, let me scroll. Yes, it's thing. very interesting to read the facts and myths of male so sexuality. Share so share some with us. No, man, I just stopped it now. Okay, so as part of a treatment, we often use peptide therapy um, and when we look at peptide therapy here it, it this is the part where we start working on libido um, and sexual thoughts and, and, and fantasies by increasing things like oxytocin in the brain so oxytocin works in the limbic system of the brain and that's a part of the brain that's associated with emotion and especially feel good emotion so if we elevate the stimulation in that part of the brain the pleasure centers of the brain not only do we feel overall a little bit um Happier, uh, it's but please, this is not an antidepressant. But our response to stimuli that can be construed as sexual can be heightened. So, you know, what you can feel a bit more horny, um, it definitely works on erectile functioning. And I give this to my patients, I use peptide therapy for my patients that complain that, you know, what I'm dead, nothing happens, I can't get an erection. And by giving them this and they start waking up in the nighttime with an erection and waking up in the morning with erections, it brings that realization, oh, my God, this thing is working. It's not dead. And that helps to bring back a little bit of confidence because the majority of erectile dysfunction is a lack of confidence. Something happened um, and, you know, it, it creates anxiety to be in a sexual environment or in a sexual situation because, Elise, again, our a man's 
manliness, ego, whatever, um, boils down to can I have an erection? How big is it and can I keep it? Um, and when that fails, it diminishes us as men. And, you know, you can – Freud and whoever can say what they want. I'm a man. That's what happens to me. And I think that's what happens to the majority of men. Dante, am I right? No, absolutely. I quite agree with you, yeah. So, um, you know, but for us, it's – if I can't see it, uh, if it's not working, um, it's embarrassing. And therefore, I'm going to try and avoid it. And that creates sexual dysfunction. That creates avoidance in your partner. And that's when your partner starts questioning, um, you know what, am I, as the partner, sexy enough? Am I doing it well enough? Am I moaning hard enough? Uh, What's the problem with me that he... My partner is not finding me attractive anymore, and therefore we are not engaging in physical activity. Um, and that creates a sexual disconnect. Um, and you and I see that in our offices every single day. Yes, I agree. I, I remember you saying at one point that um, the new kid on the block, as far as this goes, is I'm not going to mention neuromodulators. Um, is uh, botulinum toxin? Yeah, neuromodulators. So when we t- when we think about a neuromodulator, neuromodulator, guys, this is Botox um, in layman's terms. Ask your wife; um, she's most probably had it. You just never noticed. So um, for a neuromodulator, we inject it, and it modulates the action of muscle. Okay, by um, blocking nerve endings. So a muscle doesn't get the message that it's supposed to contract. That's why we use it in faces. Um, So if we use a neuromodulator, what we need to know is that there are muscle around blood vessels. It's smooth muscle. So it's controlled by the nervous system on an autonomic reaction. So the brain's not directly involved. And it can dilate, creating a bigger vessel, better blood flow, or contract, creating a higher pressure um, in the blood vessel, but less blood flow. So when we use a neuromodulator in these areas and we inject it, it relaxes that muscle. Now think about your penis and as, as a sponge. If I open my hand and I let the sponge free, it can suck up more water, which means that, you know what, when we use a neuromodulator in the penis, it relaxes the muscle around the blood vessels, allow more blood in, giving you a bigger, stronger erection. Okay, so let's recap. We came to the end. Suffice to say, if you have problems thinking about sex and sexual relations, this can be an indication of something much more severe than just, I can't get it up. This can be an indication of cardiovascular disease. It can be an indication of endocrine problems, whether it be diabetes, other hormonal imbalances like low testosterone, high estrogen. It can be a metabolic 
indicator like iron deficiencies it can be depression anxiety etc etc one of the things that the tea clinic stand for is this new sexual revolution where we are free to talk about and ask about sexual functioning and sexual relations if you want to get hold of us, it's very easy. You can get hold of us on our website, on Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, it's www.theclinic.com and our number at the office is 010-824-1393. And if you have questions that you want us to answer at some point, WhatsApp us for number 064-212-8701. Dante, thank you for coming in. It's a pleasure. Um, Can I just add one thing? If you go to the website, um, there's an interesting function on the website where you can take a quiz. Um, and it's there for both men and women. Have a look at that. Um, it will give you and it will give us a very good indication of um, whether you are a candidate for hormone opti optimization therapy. Am I correct? Yeah. Mark? Yeah. So um, go through to the website, www.thetclinic.com, and take the quiz. Elise, as always, thank you. Um, thank you. I will, we will be back next week where I will be talking with Dr. Susan Goslick. She's a chiropractor and we're going to talk about some very interesting, um, stuff about holistic well-being. So join us for that show. Uh, Pee as, as always, have a great week. Bye. This is the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show.